Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is the message given on Sunday morning, July the 17th, 2022, from Lee Younger, from Mark chapter 14. All right, we're going to be in the the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14. We'll get there eventually. If you'd like to look it up and read along with me, otherwise, I'll read it over you. I'm going to start with a question, though. And this is a question, as per normal, that is not rhetorical. I'd like you to answer it if you have experienced this, so that other people that have know that they're not alone. Fair enough? Okay, here we go. Here's my question. Have you ever had somebody that was mad at you, but they should have thanked you? Anybody ever had that? First of all, all, I know some of you have, because there's a lot of parents in this room. No, you may not have all six brown cows at 10.30 after you ate 47 bagel bites. I know you're mad at me off that, but you should thank me. Um, There's parents in here. Also, I look around the room and I see a lot of teachers as well. So I know that y'all also have had people mad at you who should have thanked you. Okay, we've experienced this. We've experienced this. Good. Next question. Have you ever had somebody who should have supported you, but instead they talked about you? Y'all had this? Mm. Okay, let's take it a layer deeper. In your relationship with Jesus, in your walk with him, have you ever been doing something for him? Your heart was for him, to serve him, to show him that you love him in some way, and somebody's got opinions about that. Um, And I'm not talking about like, you know, like a, a, a healthy, like a good, healthy feedback from a trusted source, you know, done with a lot of goodwill and, you know, just in the way you're supposed to. I'm not talking about that kind of critique. I'm talking about you're just doing your best, serving Jesus, and somebody out there has got a bunch of opinions, and they're just running that face. Anybody had this? Okay, uh, I'm going to make a statement here. It's a hot take, but I can't think of much else that feels worse than being talked about. Being talked about is an awful, awful experience. And when somebody is mad at you and they're talking about you and they shouldn't be and they should have supported you and thanked you and they're just running that face. And it makes you feel lonely, doesn't it? It doesn't matter what you've got going on or how many friendships or relationships. When somebody's talking about you, especially when you're just trying to serve Jesus, it makes you feel lonely. It makes you feel like you're in trouble. Even if you didn't do anything wrong. And for me, there's no feeling I hate more than the feeling of being in trouble with somebody. It makes you feel like a loser when people are talking about you because you're like, I know they're talking about me over there. And, you know, sometimes, because Christy's taught me a little Mandarin, and so sometimes she'll say something to me in Mandarin, and then there's always that person in the room that's like, I know y'all are saying something about me. Sometimes, maybe. Not always. In certain cases, maybe. Nora's actually figured out the word for kids in Mandarin. She's like, I heard it. Heidzeman, y'all are talking about us. But it's, it makes you feel like a loser when somebody else is, t- like, when somebody's talking about you, it makes you feel like you're in trouble. It makes you feel stupid. It makes you feel terrible when somebody's talking about you like that. Here's my last little question before we dig in on this. Have you ever just wished you had the perfect comeback? Like the greatest one-liner that you could just deploy and you would just dunk on that person so hard and everybody else in the room would be like oh I know I have I don't always think about it in the moment it's always later it's like the George Costanza jerk store comment you know it's like you think about it a week later 
I got it. That was the perfect thing to say in that moment. Okay. We have been talking a little bit this summer about an interesting phenomenon in the scriptures. And I think it happens in the scriptures because it also happens in life. And that is that sometimes when someone gets a lot of grace, somebody else gets mad about that. It's a weird thing. You see it kind of often in the scriptures. Jesus hooks somebody up or is kind or patient with somebody. And then somebody else in the room is like, I don't like that at all. And they get angry and they get upset about it. Now, so far when we've talked about this, I've asked a hard thing of you guys, which is I've asked you to look in the mirror at yourselves and face the fact that sometimes the person that gets mad about somebody else getting grace is you and me. And I have to say, you guys have done a great job. You've been willing to look at yourself. In fact, give yourself a round of applause. You've done a great job. It's a hard thing to do to look at yourself in the mirror and face the fact that sometimes you're kind of a jerkish person. But we've done it, right? We've done the hard work. And so today I'm going to flip the script. You're off the hook. Does anybody need good news? Okay, good. I have good news for everybody. This is Mark chapter 14. Here we go. Now the Passover and the festival of of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the, t- at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very f- expensive perfume made from pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those who were present were saying indignantly to one another, that's a vocab word that means they were mad, saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this, and they promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Okay, a couple things. One, this lady is my favorite person in all of the New Testament. Like, if we had trading cards, like Pokemon cards or baseball cards, like rookie, like I would trade you my rookie Apostle Paul card for, this, for the Mary of Bethany card every day of the week, twice on Sunday. My favorite, I don't know if you're allowed to have a favorite, but I mean, I guess Jesus is everybody's favorite. It's like when you're playing that game as kids, like uh, we're playing superheroes and okay, who are you going to be? You know, I'm going to be Wolverine. I'm going to be Captain America. And there's always that jerk that's like, I'm Superman. And you're like, great, the game's over. What kind of a person? are? In fact, when I was a little kid, it was always uh, Corey Simmons' brother, Jonathan, who declared himself Superman. And it was like, no, dude. But like, I guess Jesus is everybody's favorite technically. Of course, yes. But everybody that's not Jesus This lady right here, my favorite in all the New Testament. I absolutely love this story. And what's weird is Mark doesn't tell us that this was Mary, but John does. So Mark talks about this moment. Matthew talks about this moment. John talks about this moment. And he tells us specifically this was Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. 
Okay, the context around this little scene is that we are in the last week before Jesus goes to the cross. In a few days, he's going to give his life for all of us. And for the past six months before this, about, he has been telling his guys, and not just his disciples, though, everybody that was like following Jesus, men, women, kids, old people, everybody that was following Jesus around, he was telling them this. In pretty soon, we're going to Jerusalem. When we get to Jerusalem, I will be betrayed, I will be accused, I will be arrested, I will be handed over, I will be tortured, I will be executed, and on the third day, I will rise again. Now, all of the, everything that came before that third day piece was so upsetting for Jesus' guys. I don't think they ever really heard or paid attention to the I will rise again piece, but somebody did. One person did my favorite person in the whole New Testament. She got it. She heard it. She took it in. For six months, he's been telling them, we're going to Jerusalem. All this stuff is going to happen to me. Well, guess what? They're there. They're in Jerusalem. He's been spending his days in this last week in the city, teaching, working miracles, talking to people, doing funky stuff. And then during the evening, he goes back to the city of Bethany, just a short walk from Jerusalem. And he's, I, I'm thinking he's spending time either at, at Lazarus's house or at the home of this guy, Simon the leper, which presumably is a guy that he healed of leprosy because otherwise he ain't having people over to the house. He doesn't still have leprosy. He's taken a negative you know, test or whatever, and he's displayed that on his Facebook wall, whatever. So he's he has everybody over. So that's where they are. During dinner, Mary comes in holding this jar of perfume. And Mark tells us, based on what the disciples angrily said about Mary, that this thing was worth a year's wages. Now, I personally have never held something in my hands that's worth a year's wages. I looked it up. In 2021, the average income for a household in the United States of America was north of $60,000. She's holding a fragile thing in her hands that's worth $60,000. As soon as she walks in, everybody's like, <gasps> audible gasp, what are you doing with that? I mean, I guess it was her part of her dowry, or I don't know. But she walks over towards Jesus. She cracks the thing open. Now you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Everybody's freaking out. She pours it on Jesus' head. She pours it, John says, on his feet. She takes her hair down. She uses her hair like a towel. She's wiping his feet. The fragrance of it is filling the house. The whole house has changed. People are like, what is happening? And then all of a sudden, the chatter starts. Mark says some of those present were indignantly saying. Matthew gets more specific. He says it was the disciples. John gets more specific. He said it started with Judas, and it started with a lie. He said Judas, we found out later, because he was the treasurer of the twelve, was skimming off the top. And when he said this thing about, we could have sold this, I could have sold this on Facebook Marketplace, I would have gotten a whole lot for it, we could have, you know, helped the poor... And we found out later he was skimming. He was trying to get money for himself. In fact, after this happened, Mark tells us, he left the room and went and found another way to get some money. It started with a whisper, and it got louder. It started with one person, and it spread to others. It started with a lie, and it metastasized into this self-righteous indignation. Any of you guys ever heard some gossip that started like that? 
started with a whisper and it got louder. It started with one and it spread to others. It started with something that wasn't even true and then it wound up being this angry thing. You ever heard of some stuff like that? I don't know how long this little moment took, but she's doing this and people are wondering like, when is Jesus going to make the call? This is ridiculous. We can't believe this waste. And they're whispering to each other and they're angry and they're furrowing their brow at her. And actually when Jesus says, why are you bothering her? That word bothering is a word that literally means to punch. It's the same word that's used in the parable of the unmerciful judge, the unrighteous judge and the persistent widow who says, give me justice, give me justice. And finally he says, I've got to give her justice. She's, otherwise she's going to give me a black eye. She won't stop wearing me out. It's that same exact word. Jesus is like, y'all's words are landing like punches on her. That's what kind of whispering was going on. And everybody's wondering, when is Jesus going to shut this down? This is absolutely ridiculous. And finally, Jesus clears his throat. <clears throat> Everybody gets quiet. What's he going to say? What call is he going to make? And the whole time, I'm wondering, what does it feel like to be her in this moment? Well, we know, don't we? It sucks. To be talked about like that? It makes you feel sick to your stomach, right? You guys know this? That thing where you feel like you, you can't even sleep, you lay down to sleep and you wake up and you're rolling around because you can't stop thinking about it? That thing where you wonder who your friends are and you wonder who heard this and didn't come ask me about it? How many people entertained this and they never thought to come to me and say, hey, can we talk about something? I've heard some stuff. It feels terrible. So Jesus clears his throat and everybody's wondering, what's he gonna say? And this is just too good. Leave her alone. God. My encouragement to you, sometimes when you're reading the scriptures, it's hard to tell the tone of the words. My encouragement to you is, let this be big. Let this be loud. Leave her alone. It's the same word that's used in uh, Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus goes three rounds with Satan. And it says, at the end, with Jesus victorious, it says, the devil left. He skedaddled. The same word is used in this same chapter, in fact, in Mark chapter 14, when Jesus gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the disciples, it says, left and fled. They sprinted away. Jesus is saying, why don't y'all do that in this instance? Leave this. Don't do this. Leave her alone. And then he makes another call. You call it a waste. I say it's beautiful. It's beautiful. In fact, it's going to be more than beautiful. It's going to be legendary. Because no one is ever going to forget it. Because I'm going to make sure that wherever the good news is told, wherever, in, throughout all time and throughout the rest of the world, what happened in this room is also going to be told. What y'all did and what she did. So buckle up for that. So here's my good news. All of you who chimed in when I said, do you know how it feels to have somebody mad at you who should have thanked you? That was us, right? To have somebody talk about you who should have supported you. That was us, right? Jesus has your back. Isn't that good news? That's where an amen belongs, by the way. Jesus has your back. When you love Jesus, when you are working hard for him, when you're given everything you've got because you just love him, and if somebody has other opinions about that, here's what you need to know. According to Jesus, it's none of their business. He thinks it's beautiful. He'll never forget it, and he may just make sure nobody else does either. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome stuff, isn't it? It's really interesting. There's one part about this that struck me this week, which is that Matthew and Mark don't name this woman. They say, a woman walked in with an alabaster jar full of perfume. Whereas John tells us specifically this was Mary, Lazarus' sister, Martha's sister. And I'm like, why don't Matthew and Mark tell us her name? And I don't know. This is a bit of a speculation, but I'm going to ask you to go with me for a second on it. I wonder if it's not because this is not just something that happened. This is something that happens. Unfortunately, with Jesus' people, this is something that happens. This is something that should never happen. It should never have happened to her. But it not only happened to her, it happens, doesn't it? Guys, our religion has an image problem. We are in the midst, in the middle of Christianity, in a public relations nightmare. We have a marketing disaster. It's Chernobyl. And here's what it is. Christians are known for being judgmental and mean. That is a nightmare. That is an absolute disaster. That is a public relations Chernobyl. Put caution tape around the whole thing. How in the world could the people who have been purchased by blood through the kindness of our God be known for being judgmental and mean? How could this have happened? I don't know. Maybe it's that, that one famous verse over in John 13 that says, uh, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you uh, take America back. Is that how that goes? <laughs> By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you win the culture war. And you really dig in there and fight for it. Get it done. By this, I don't think that's how the verse goes. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you make sure that all your values are codified into settled law. That's not how that verse goes. John chapter 13, starting in verse 34, says, A new command I give you that you, what? that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love. We were at Sharp Top a couple of weeks ago and I was, I was, uh, I was hanging out with Megan. I don't know where Megan is. Maybe she's helping with little kids. Uh, there you are, hi. <laughs> I looked over there and just couldn't see you. There's Megan. I saw Megan and a couple other people had this little bracelet on and it looked like the old school 1990s uh, WWJD bracelet. And so I thought that's what it was. But I looked at it, and Megan's bracelet didn't have WWJD. It said HWLF. And I was like, what is that? Like, what is, is that like a band? Like, it, are, are they like taking old 90s Christian culture and like trying to do something with it? I, I don't know. And she said, no, this is the response to what would Jesus do? I was like, oh, what does it stand for? He would love first. I was like, dang, I might have to give me one of those. It's pretty awesome. There's a, there's a jazz singer named Gregory Porter who uh, Christy turned me on to and some of y'all have since heard me babble on about him. Um, but he wrote a song one time called Take Me to the Alley. And it's just about how people are going to be surprised when they meet Jesus that he didn't care about the things they cared about and that he cared about a whole different set of things. He says in the song, Oh, they gild their houses in preparation for the king, and they line their sidewalks with every sort of shining thing, but they will be surprised when they hear him say, Take me to the alley, 
Take me to the afflicted ones. Take me to the lonely ones who somehow lost their way. Let them come to my table. Let them rest here in my garden. You will have a pardon. He says, let them hear me say, I am your friend. We have a public relations nightmare in Christianity, and it is that people see us as judgmental, as mean, and mean. When Jesus said, don't judge anybody ever for anything ever. In fact, if you do that, it sets up this economy that you're going to like even less than the economy you're living in right now, which is you get judged by the same measure as you judge other people. You don't want any piece of that one. There's no inflation. It's just even. And it's just not, you don't want it, at, like at all. But this happens. And some of us have experienced it. And if you haven't experienced it yet, I'm so thankful that you haven't. But keep on living, as a pastor that I love said. Because you may. And the question is, if I get that kind of thing pointed at me, if I'm just loving Jesus with everything I've got and people are mad at me and they're talking about me and other people are listening to it, what do I do? Okay, what did she do? I love this. Mary, first of all, she didn't say a word. She didn't feed the trolls. She didn't stop, you know, pouring oil on Jesus' feet and, and head and say, you know what? Um, I'm doing this for his burial, so why don't y'all lay off me? Because you're being super uncool right now. She didn't give all the reasons she was right. She didn't defend herself in any way. She didn't say a word. And she had reps in this. Because earlier, in, over there in uh, Luke chapter 10, when somebody else came to Jesus about her thinking that she was wrong, she didn't say a word, and Jesus defended her again. She already had reps in this. My encouragement to you and to me is, it won't work. Don't feed the trolls. They don't understand what you're doing. They wouldn't. It won't work. Don't do that. The other thing that she did, which I love, is she just kept her focus on him. She just kept loving him. She just kept loving Jesus. She just kept serving him. She didn't answer back, and she didn't take her gaze off of him. Now, here's the thing that's for me is like, that sounds really good. That's a really good one-two punch. I don't know how to do that. Because when this happens to me, I feel all sorts of things. And y'all feel free to amen anytime you want to. And I don't know how to not defend myself and not go in there swinging, guns blazing, the whole thing. How did she do it? And I think the thing that I've realized about her this week is that she had a secret and it enabled her to not care what they thought, or to not respond and just focus on Jesus. And her secret was the whole reason she was doing this in the first place. Jesus said, she has done this to prepare me beforehand for my burial. Now that's a weird thing to say. She turned a dinner party into a funeral. Not very cool from, you know, not exactly what you want in a dinner party, but Jesus said, she's preparing for my burial beforehand. Now, what they would do in their culture is, after somebody was buried, they would go and they would prepare and embalm them with all kinds of spices and perfumes and all kinds of stuff. They would do that after the fact. And after Jesus died and was buried, a bunch of the women who followed Jesus went to go do that. But she wasn't there. She didn't go that time because she had already done it. She did it beforehand because she's like, well, for six months, he's been saying that on the third day, he's going to rise again. He ain't going to be in that tomb very long. I've been saving this for his burial. I better do it now. This is my only shot. 
She knew a secret, and the secret he'd been telling everybody for six months is Jesus, who died, is going to rise from the dead, and when he does, he is going to come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the shot caller over everything, the decision maker over everything. There will be no more confusion one day. There will be no more question about who's right and who's wrong. There will be no more gossip. Amen belongs there. There will be no more talking about anybody, no more slander. Amen belongs there. Jesus the risen king is going to call all the shots and it will be completely unconfusing. That was her secret. She's like, this dude's rising from the dead. He's going to be over everything. I'm just going to stay focused on him. Forget whatever they're saying. That's all temporary. He is not. That's how she was able to do it. I'm not standing up here as somebody telling you I'm good at this or I've got it down or I'm ready to deploy all of that wisdom this week. What I am saying is, what if we put our heart's energy into this? Jesus is risen from the dead. He's on my side and all I have to do is love him. He's coming back one day. He's gonna be over all of this. I don't have to worry what any of them say. Amen? Treasures me, gave life and blood. He is my.